All right. What? Did you hear Eden? What did she say? That was fun. Anyone else want to come up this morning? Any visitors? Any visitors want to come forward? Okay. <clears throat> All right. I better get going. Um, so as JT, well, I don't know if JT said this, but we're, we're going <clears> to <throat> continue our King series. <clears throat> and this morning, I'm looking at a guy named King Uzziah, and he's the son of Amaziah. JT looked at uh, Amaziah last weekend. <clears throat> and you can really break uh, Uzziah's life down to two parts. It's really quite simple. Part one is his rise uh, to fame. Part two is his fall from fame. And really, as we look at this guy's life, in a nutshell, really, you, you could sort of summarize it this way, that this young king went from here to here because God literally brought him, helped him get from here to here. But what we see and what we're going to see in his life is that when at this peak, at this, at this, you know, this great place, this you know, great success that this guy became, pride consumed his heart. And he forgot who it was that got him there. And that pride now caused part two of his life where he just plummeted into destruction. And what I want to focus on today is that Uzziah, out of his pride, he uh, forgot his neediness for God. It was God who got him to that point in his life, and he forgot that. And the truth of the human condition is that we are just as much in need of God when things are here as we are when things are here. Does that make sense? And here's where this really came home to me. Uh, uh, last week, I was back in Vancouver. Uh, my wife Helen and I were. Actually, Helen is still there. I think uh, we actually put this out as a prayer request. We have some dear friends back there. Uh, my buddy had a stroke. And, um, and so we went back just to be with them and love on them and, and come alongside them. And I know so many of you have been praying for him. He actually is starting to get a feeling back in his left side. And so he's on the road to recovery. But please... Uh, continue praying for him. But uh, when I was there, I spent a lot of time in the hospital with him. And, you know, it, it, was, it was just this strange thing. I was helping him with activities that a little more than a month ago would have been simple little things that he totally took for granted. I mean, it's just a, it's, it's sort of a shaking thing to be feeding someone. And just him so helpless. Oh, I'll, I'll take your glasses on. I'll put your glasses on. And just moving his big body around the bed because he just, he just he couldn't do it anymore. And when I was there, it just it struck me as I looked at him. I thought, how hard that must be to suddenly be in a place where you're so needy. Right? To suddenly, I mean, this guy is brilliant. He's, he's, a, he's one of these bigger-than-life sort of people. And to suddenly be in such a weak condition because I... Don't know about you, but I think I do know about you. We don't like to be needy. We have such a resistance to weakness and, 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 and being needy. We, have, we literally, you know, it's like we're, we're constantly wanting to get beyond that, right? We don't like being needy. And, and when I was there, you know, just looking at my buddy, I sensed the Lord say, uh, <clears throat> there really isn't that big of a difference between his neediness and your own. It's just that right now his is more obvious than yours. See, we work so hard to cover up our neediness, or at least I know I do. Uh, and we can, we, can, we, can, we can hide it from each other for the most part. Uh, we can even hide it from ourselves at some level, but we cannot hide it from God. I mean, he knows, and he knows because he made us. And the truth is, uh, he he, he made us that way because he's, he, he wants us. He's such a relational God. He wants to, like we'll see in this story, he wants to be a God that comes close and help us. Listen to this. Psalm 103 says this, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. We are so fragile. We're so needy as human beings. And again, God has wired you and I to forever be dependent on him. 
right? That we would constantly, constantly be leaning into him and, and running to him and trusting to him. And he knows, he knows that we need him constantly. But the problem for us and what we're going to see in Uzziah's life is that we forget. We forget constantly that we need him. And, and, and when, especially when things are going well, our tendency is to forget. And especially when things are going really well, we can become, like Uzziah, a pride can, can, can seep into our lives where instead of a dependence on God, pride nurtures this dangerous self-dependence that's just not good for us. And what we'll see in Uzziah's story is that that can actually be really destructive in our lives because we weren't made, we weren't built to do this, live this life alone. And, and you know, think about the verse. And I, I know, you know, for many of us, it's so familiar, but when Jesus, he's looking at his followers, and he goes, now listen up. I am the vine. You are the branches. Right? That isn't just for a season of our lives. That's forever. Forever. As soon as we're disconnected from him, what does it say? We're, we're basically dead. Right? He has wired us to forever be dependent on him. And as we look at this story today, I believe he wants to remind us that to be needy for God is not a weakness for us as human beings. It's actually a sign of wisdom. It's actually a sign of you and I walking as human beings in, what, in, in, the, in the posture, if you will, of, of what God made us to walk in. So let's, let's pray, and then uh, we'll jump into, uh, look at Uzziah's life. So Lord... Uh, thank you for this morning. Thank you. I just love looking out and just seeing uh, all these faces. And I, I, I'm so grateful for this church. And uh, I pray today that you, uh, as you have been all morning, that your presence would just be real close. That you would come be personal with each one. Or this whole series, we've, our, our prayer has been that it, it would be a series where we, we get to stand with you in front of the mirror of your word in front of the mirror of these stories that we're looking at and have you point out areas in our lives that you want to lean into. And I just say, Lord, come continue that. Come do that more today. I pray that we would be different when we leave today because you have come close, because you have helped us. So we just welcome you here in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Second Chronicles 26. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles at the front, Bibles at the back. If you, uh, or you can turn in your smartphone. Do not open up any other apps, though. Because we know it. There's a screen in the back. But I'm going to be reading uh, 3 to 15, and it's a, it's a big chunk. And so I'm actually, and this might be a bit confusing, but I'm actually going to jump through sections because it's, it's a lot. So, uh, but I'll call out where we're going and hopefully... Uh, we can all follow along. So 2 Chronicles 26, verse 3 says this. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother's name was Jechaliah. She was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. He went to war, and in verse 7 it says, God helped him against the Philistines, and it lists off all these people he, that basically God helped him whoop on. And then it goes on to talk about all, this, all these architectural things. He built towers. He repaired the, the wall around Jerusalem. He uh, was working in the fields. He was a real renaissance man. He loved the soil. He trained up the army. He was one of the first kings to ever make uh, uh, weaponry for the army. And then we get to verse 15, and it says, In Jerusalem he made devices invented for use on the towers and on the corner defenses so that soldiers could shoot arrows and hurl large stones from the walls. I didn't want to miss that part because I'm like, what were those things? I'd love to get a picture of those. But finally, his fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. So that whole chunk, basically what that chunk is showing us, whether it's uh, uh, in, in military victories, in, in architecture, all the, all the improvements he did, whether it's agriculture, you know, all the stuff that this guy did, it just shows us how Uzziah, this 16-year-old new king, went from here to incredible success. 
right? 52 years as king. I think that's one of the longest tenures for a king in Jerusalem. And I might be wrong, but I think that that's accurate. I mean, this guy was super successful. His fame spread throughout the land. So number one in your notes is this. It says the source of his success. And now we're looking at part one of his life. And, and again, Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. And uh, a, a while after he became king, his father Amaziah, who had been in captivity, was, was, uh, was assassinated. And so here you have this young, vulnerable uh, uh, young man taking the throne at a time of great upheaval in Jerusalem. And so when we talk about the source of his success, uh, the source of his success was God. But many times God works through others to fulfill his plans in a person's life. And here's what I mean. Verse 5 again says this. He, Uzziah, sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. Now, we don't know who this guy Zechariah uh, was. We don't know, was he a priest? Was he like an advisor? Obviously, he was close to the king. And, but we, we don't know who he was, but we do know that this man was a key figure in Uzziah's life, in this, in this movement, in this movement where God helped him get from here to here, Uzziah was a key figure in that. And, you know, just picture it here, you know, 16-year-old king, Zechariah comes alongside this young king. And instead of uh, manipulating or promoting his own agenda, which I'm sure would have been real easy with a young king, he promoted God's agenda. What we see Zechariah doing is come alongside this young man, instructing him, teaching him in God's ways, really pointing him to the source. And for, for us to grow as disciples, for you and I to grow as followers of Jesus, we all need Zacharias in our lives. I mean, think about this. How many of you would say, you know, when you, uh, when you look at where you're at right now in your relationship with God, and I mean, you know, what you know about God, what you, what you believe about God, how many of you would say when you, when you look at where you are and then you, it's like you look down and you realize, wow, I am standing on all these shoulders of men and women who have literally instructed me, you, in the ways of God. I mean, how many people would say that? Like put them up real high because really my hunch would be that the majority of the room would say that because that's discipleship. What we're looking at right there is a biblical principle on how God works on planet Earth. Jesus says to his followers, hey, you guys, everything I've taught you, I want you to take it, and I want you to pass it on you know, and, you know, to the world. Paul looks at Timothy. Hey, Timothy, I've been li- you know, you've been hanging with me. I've been investing in you. Now I want you to take it, and I want you to go to do, uh, do the same thing, and on and on and on. And one of the dangers in our, in our culture, this sort of growing, uh, 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 what would you call it, just this individualism there's this growing thing within our culture of of where it's kind of like we would say uh, or we would say i don't need people i've got the internet right and we kind of chuckle but i don't think that you know big brother's not watching us we're watching big brother you know it's like it's like instead of going and asking advice from another person what do we do you youtube or you youtube you go to youtube right i mean we we don't we, we're losing out. There is a current moving away from needing each other, right? There's an individualism. And, and just getting practical, I mean, JT just really said it so well that one of the reasons that we bang the drum of small groups over and over and over, because it's one of the ways we as a church are pushing back against that, the current of our culture that says, ah, I can do this by myself. Well, newsflash, you can't. You can't do it by yourself. Because you weren't built to do it by yourself. Your creator built you needy, primarily for him, but also for others. And I, I was thinking about, I worked uh, for uh, years down at Vineyard Columbus, and we used to end the services. Uh, I, I, still, I could just hear Rich Nathan. We would, we would, we would hold hands. All, you know, in, the, in the whole sanctuary, we would hold hands. And Rich would say, you know, this is a reminder that the Christian life is not, to be, uh, is not meant to be lived alone. We're built to be connected. We, we're built to need each other, and, and that's why we have small groups. I mean, it's not the only way. And I don't know if it's the best way, but, it's, but it's, it's a way for us to connect with each other. It creates the opportunity for you and I to be Zacharias 
in each other's lives. We need each other. Uh, when we look at the passage, again, it's super clear that God was the source of, of Uzziah's success. Verse 5, it says God gave him success. Verse 7, God helped him. All these uh, military victories, God was behind them. They won those battles because God won them for them. And then verse 15, I'll read it again. Uh, His fame spread far and wide, for he was greatly helped until he became powerful. Or the New Living Translation says it this way. His fame spread far and wide, for the Lord gave him marvelous help, and he became very powerful. Again, he went from here to here because of God's marvelous help. See, and one of the consequences for you and I and really for, for humanity, one of the consequences of being born into a broken world, into a sinful world, is that we're born forgetful. Right? We constantly forget uh, how needy we are for God. And here's one of the things that we trip on. As we get older, and I don't just mean gray-haired older, and I color my hair this way for respect. No, it's not true. But I don't just mean gray-haired. I mean when you get into your teens, you get in your 20s, 30s, and on through life, one of the dangers for us is that you, know, you get educated. You have all this life experience. One of the dangers is this, this uh, thought, this lie starts to grow inside of us. And basically it says this. It's, it, 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 it says that uh, we should be growing out of our neediness. Like, do you ever find yourself struggling with something and going, man, by now in my life, I thought I'd be past that. You know what I mean? Like, boy, I can't believe. I mean, you wouldn't say this out loud. You wouldn't post this on Facebook. But it's like, I can't believe. I still struggle with that. Listen to this quote. If you're going to follow Jesus, you need to be comfortable with always being in kindergarten. One of many of Danny's great quotes. And I remember when Danny said that, we were in his office, and I I sat there, I thought, that's brilliant. That's freeing. And that's accurate. Right? What that means is you and I, this side of heaven, will always need the teacher. Right, you don't, you don't see, I can remember in middle school and high school, the teacher would say, you guys keep yourself busy, I'm going out, Who know? I don't know what they're going out for. You never see a kindergarten teacher say, you guys amuse yourselves, I'm out of here. Right, it would be like, oh, you know, a lawsuit. I mean, you just don't see that we will always be needy, and that's not weakness. Our culture says it is, but it's not. It's what we were built for, right? And so we, we forget our neediness, but then we also forget how much God wants to help us. Right? Again, in Uzziah's life, it was God. It was the marvelous help of God that, got him to, you know, that brought him to this place in his life. And we forget that God wants to help us not just when we're up against something we can't figure out. He, he wants to help us constantly, daily. And the picture I have is he's a doting father. I mean, he just... He just He's always there. He's always hovering. He's always like uh, wanting to jump in and, and, and give his, you know, his input and help and, and correct and fix and all these things. And, you know, I was thinking how, <clears throat> you know, uh, we, many times for comfort, we turn to, the, to Psalm 23. Beautiful psalm. And primarily where we go is, you know, when someone is in a hard place in life, we go, now remember, right? What does it say in Psalms, that, Psalm 23? That when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. And, and rightfully so, we go, oh, that is so comforting in this hard season that we're in. But then we forget that that shepherd who walks through the dark valley with us, he also walks with us through the green pastures. He's also hanging with us when we're lying down beside the still waters. Right? He's not just the, the go-to. He's, he's the always with. He's always with us. And, and again, we forget that. And, and when we look at, at, at part one of Uzziah's life, this climb, this, this help, this work of God, another psalm that really sums it up is Psalm 18. And we won't read the whole psalm because it's really long, but I'd encourage you to read it. Basically, David, uh, King David, the psalmist, it's a psalm where he is just raving in a, in a, in a praise, praiseful way. He's just raving about how awesome God is and about how much God 
has helped him and come to his aid. Listen to this one verse. Verse 35 says this. You protect me with your saving shield. You support me with your right hand. And now listen. You have stooped to make me great. That's what an awesome picture about God's heart towards you and towards me. Almighty God going, oh, let me get down here. Let me stoop down. Let me get down on the ground with, with my children. And let me, oh, let me help you out here. Right? That's his heart. Not just when we're struggling. That is his constant heart. So part one of Uzziah's life is his climb to fame. Uh, and what got him there again was the source, which was God. So let's, let's read on. Verse 16 says this. Here's where uh, uh, everything changes. Verse 16, but after Uzziah became powerful, his pride led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Azariah, the priest, with 80 other courageous priests of the Lord, followed him in. They confronted King Uzziah and said, it is not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests the descendants of Aaron who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful, and you will not be honored by the Lord God. Stop there. Now, what is it that led to his downfall? It was his, his pride. That was a strong answer. Uh, but basically, his fame went to his head. He forgot who got him there, right? He forgot who got him to this, to this lofty place. And number two in your notes is this. Number two is misguided recognition. Misguided recognition. Again, Uzziah forgot the source of his success, and he was blinded by his pride. That's what got him off base. And uh, this last week, I was listening to a teaching by Tim Keller, uh, brilliant uh, guy on so many levels, and he was talking about pride. And listen how he, how he defined pride. <clears throat> he said, pride looks at the good things in our lives and says, I did this. I worked harder. I worked smarter. I worked better than other people. I did this, therefore I deserve this. Pride causes us to look at the gifts and the blessings in our lives as if we were the author of them. Isn't that great? We look at all the blessings and, 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 we, and we, you know, pride twists it all up, the misguided recognition. We, we look at it as if we did it. And, and Tim Keller uses this phrase that I just love this phrase. He calls it uh, cosmic plagiarism. Isn't that brilliant? I mean, we need, to, we need to make a bumper sticker. Cosmic plagiarism. And I remember, <clears throat> I don't remember what grade this was, but I remember in school, uh, I was doing a report on the planet Jupiter. And in those days, you know, you'd actually open books to do research. And I went home, and we had on the bookshelf, remember the Encyclopedia Britannica? I'm sure my dad was thinking, why did I spend all that money on these books to just sit there? But they were beautiful. And I remember opening up Jay, and I went to Jupiter, and I started reading, and I thought, wow, these guys are smart, right? And so I proceeded to basically write my entire report from Encyclopedia Britannica, put my name on it, and handed it in. And, and, you know, as I remember that, I, I don't think I even got a grade on the paper because I'm pretty sure my teacher, when, when she read that, kind of went, um, I don't think you wrote this. I mean, the, the first three-syllable word after Jupiter, I think, was the cue that, no, Michael didn't write this, right? And, and, uh, uh, but the problem was I took credit for someone else's work. Here you go. I did this. Well, no, I didn't do that. That's plagiarism. Some really smart people did a lot of work to write all that information about Jupiter. It's, it was plagiarism. And, and, and see, Uzziah, he basically looked around him at all his fame, you know, famous throughout the land. He just sort of stood there and went, I did this. I did this. I got me here. And it was pride, and his pride blinded him. And, you know, and we, we can tend to do the, the same. And I, you know, it's like, it's like, and I don't know if this is fair to say, but I, I see this in my heart. It's, it's like this. When we blame God when things aren't going well, and then we forget to thank him when things are going well. Just raise your hand now. No, but that's, 
But really, pride is at the root of both of those responses to God. And, you know, like in Uzziah's life, we have a tendency to forget all that God has done for us. We're so quick to take it for granted. And I think <clears throat> uh, we're going to go to a scripture in just a sec. But there's many times when I read the Bible and I look at it and I go, wow, God, you so get us. Right? I just read a passage about human nature and I'm like, wow, you'd think he made us. But listen to this. So, or don't go there yet, Doug. Um, but uh, there's, a, there's a time in the, in the history of Israel when they're coming out of Egypt and God is he, he's talking to his people and they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And, and he's basically looking at them going, now, you guys, I got a warning for you. I got a warning for you because it's been a hard road so far. But in a, in a little bit here, you're going to go into the promised land where it's going to be a time of rest and blessing. And, and I want to warn you. And here's what it says. Deuteronomy 8, 11 says this. It says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. I mean, think about the blessings in your life. Think about just the, you know, all that God has done and, and how, what you have in your life that, that, that you uh, like, what do you have that you didn't receive? Right? And here's what I mean. It's like, uh, you didn't choose. We didn't choose where we would be born. We didn't. God chose that. We could have been born in a, in a country where, on a daily basis, you live in fear, civil war, you know, people breaking into your home. We see it in the news all the time. You could have been born in that country. We could have been born in a country where every day you wake up and you don't know if there's going to be food to eat. You don't know if there's going to be clean water. You don't know if there's going to be any electricity. Right? And here we are born into a, a opulence. Right? That wasn't your choice. That wasn't my choice. That was God's choice where we were born. It was God's choice when we were born. We could have been born right in the middle of the plague. Right? But we're born at a time of just so much technology and opportunities and, and medicine and all this wonderful stuff. And I mean, think about it. God gave us the abilities we have. It's God who gives us the strength each day to do what we do. The wisdom, the discernment, the ideas, the, all the stuff we do. It's God who gives us breath in our lungs. And you know, when we look at Uzziah... His, his fall didn't start, it, didn't, it wasn't displeasing to God that this guy was successful. There's nothing wrong with that. What displeased God and what, what, what caused destruction in this guy's life was the pride in his heart that he stood there and said, I did this. He took the credit. It was misguided recognition. And you know, you know this, the scripture, pride comes before a fall. There we go. And you know, it's one of the reasons why as a church here, we talk so much about worship, right? It's, it's one of the reasons why we give a, a third of our service to worship. Because every weekend, in, in small groups, we have this opportunity to, to be reminded and to really lean into giving thanks to God. Every weekend, you have an opportunity to be reminded, that's right, I didn't do this. You did it. Right? We have an opportunity to, to sing our praises, our thanks, and to give recognition where it's due. Our worship is, is powerful. And listen to this, Psalm 115, verse 1 says, Not to us, Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory, because of your love and faithfulness. 
not to us. We don't deserve the glory. Only he deserves the glory. It's his, it's his power. It's him that's keeping you alive right now. It's him. It's not us. Not to us, Lord, but to you. To you be the glory. And you know, as we increasingly become a people that, when, that increasingly the words, thank you, God, are rolling off our tongues, you know what? That's not only right. It's not only the right response, but that is a protection against the prideful slant of the human heart. Right? Because we're always, we're always sort of sliding away from God and sliding towards me. And when we worship and say, no, thank you, it's you. And the big things in the living thing, no, it's you that did it. I didn't do this. I mean, I think there's things that God has done for each one of us this last week that we are clueless to. And we won't know till, till, we, till we get to heaven. That, and, and also, it's so good for us and it's so right when we worship that we get to gladly confess our neediness for God. Right? That's a, that is a good thing. That is protection. That keeps this prideful heart at bay that goes, no, 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 no. I'm with him. I'm with him. And every time we worship, every time we, 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 you know, uh, we get to take that posture in our lives, it is a powerful weapon against the current of our culture and the current of our hearts. Because left unchecked, Pride can cause incredible damage in our lives. And let's now go to number three in your notes. And it says this. Uh, number three is the tra trajectory of pride. Like Uzziah, when we get on a prideful path where it's like, uh, oh, I did this. Look what I've done. Right? Where, where is that heading? And verse, uh, Psalm 10 verse 4 says this. In his pride, the wicked man, the wicked person does not seek him, does not seek God. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. See, pride's dangerous because pride consumes and pushes out. Right? As pride consumes the heart of a human being, like it says there, it literally, it literally makes, there's now suddenly no room for God. There's no room for wisdom, for truth. Right, for his guidance. There's no room for God because it's just me. And as human beings, that puts us in a very fragile and dangerous place because we're incredibly open to deception. I mean, think back to where this whole thing got started. Right? Think back to the garden where, you know, there's Adam and Eve and, and God's like, that one tree, don't go near that one tree and don't eat the fruit of that tree. And they're like, okay, we got it. And, what, you know, probably the next day, if, it, if I'd been Adam, I'd be like, hey, let's go check out that tree. And doo -doo -doo, they go walking over by the tree and the, the devil in the form of a serpent's hanging out in the tree. And he goes, hey, take a look at this. Isn't this, isn't this beautiful? Like, come on, take a bite. You got to try it. It's great. And what does Eve say? Way to go, Eve, when she says, uh, well, no, no, we can't. If we eat it, God says if we eat it, that we'll die. And, and listen to this. Out of, out of, this is from the message. Genesis 3 verse 4 says, The serpent told the, the woman, You won't die. God knows that the moment you eat from that tree, you'll see what's really going on. You'll be just like God, knowing everything, ranging all the way from good to evil, open to deception. Take a bite and boom. Sin enters into the heart of humanity, poison. And with it comes these questions when we look at God as humans, it's like, hmm, well, can we really trust him? I mean, what was he holding, what was he keeping from us? What was he just keeping him for himself? I mean, why does he get to be in charge? Why do we have to do what he says? Right, that's, the, that's the deception. And, and one of the, when we look at the trajectory of pride, one of the things that we see is that we become, when pride is starting to consume our hearts, we become un teachable. And when you look at Uzziah, he steps way outside of his pay grade, even as the king, to go into the temple and to, I mean, I don't know why he did what he did, but to do the work of the priests. And, uh, you know, let me read it again. Verse 18 says, they confronted him. All the priests come in and looking at him going, like, you know, it is not right for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. That is for the priests, the descendants of Aaron who have been consecrated to burn incense. Leave the sanctuary, for you have been unfaithful, and you will not be honored by the Lord God. And really what they're saying is, Uzziah, 
What are you thinking? What are you thinking by doing this? Stop it. Turn. Get out of here. Repent. Get out of the temple. Don't, you know, don't take another step forward. And I believe that if he would have gone, you know, here he is in the temple and he's going to burn the incense. Or, and if he would have gone, oh, oh, if he would have been teachable, oh, what am I doing? Man, what was I thinking? I, I can't be here. I, I, if he would have turned and gone out of the temple with the priest, this story would have a very different ending. It wouldn't be the disaster that it is, but, but pride had so taken hold of his heart. Listen how he responds to the priests. Verse 19, Uzziah, who had a censer in his hand, ready to burn incense, became angry. And while he was raging at the priests in their presence before the incense altar in the Lord's temple, leprosy broke out on his forehead. Like somebody should make a movie about this. Because when I picture that, I mean, I just see this king and, you know, and he's on his royal robes and the priests come in and like, no, you can't do this. And he turns around and he goes, who do you think you are? Have you forgotten who I am? I'm King Uzziah. And, you know, if I was writing the script, he would, and I think this is probably when he was raging, I think he was raging. Here's, here's a list of my accomplishments. And as he's going, I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this, I think suddenly the priest went, <gasps> because poof, leprosy, unclean, get him out of here. He can't be in the temple. And, and literally the judgment of God boom, just fell on this proud, proud man. And again, the trajectory of pride is we become unteachable. And there's a growing sickness in our culture. And again, it's part of the human condition that like, we're, we're all encouraged to follow our heart's desires, right? We're, uh, we're being taught that the fulfillment we all long for will be found in you and I getting and doing whatever we want. Right, I came across this quote. I don't know who wrote it. I'll, I'll take credit. <laughs> hey, there you go. But this really, is, <laughs> this really is reflective of our culture. Listen to this quote. It says, the only thing not tolerated is intolerance. Do you get that? I mean, wouldn't you say increasingly in our culture, like the only thing that we won't put up with is you saying, no, you can't do that. That's wrong. You've crossed a line there. Like you, can't, you can't say that. You can't say that anymore. And, and let me ask you a question. Do you have someone in your life, do you have someone in your life who has the open door to lovingly get in your face and say, stop it. What you're doing is wrong. Do you have someone in your life that will do that? Or, or better yet, do you have someone that you will let do that? Because here's the truth. Our culture, the enemy, our own flesh is screaming the other way. No, 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 don't stop. Go. This is awesome. Keep going. Right? This is not wrong. This is so right. How could it be wrong when it feels so right or whatever that, you know, the lyric? And, you know, I remember once, <coughs> excuse me, I remember years ago a, a friend got in my face and he called me out as a young husband on my selfishness and immaturity he got in my face he said you need to stop that and I can't repeat what I was thinking uh, when he said it to me because it really was like well who are you right pride who are you you've got problems in your life too who are you to get in my face and here's the thing part of that reaction inside was I knew he was right and opening our lives not to everybody because that would just be, <laughs> that would be chaos. But to have one or two people in your life that you let in, it's a gift from God. And it's just another example of how much we need each other. It's protection against that pride. It's protection against that unteachableness, that, whoop, that slant that we're on. And then I'm going to end with this. Another trajectory of pride is isolation. Listen to how uh, Uzziah's story ends. King, uh, verse 21, King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, leprous, and banned from the temple of the Lord. Jotham, his son, had charge of the palace and governed the people of the land. The other events of Uzziah's reign from beginning to end are recorded by the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos. Uzziah rested with his ancestors and was buried near them in a cemetery that belonged to the kings, for people said, 
he had leprosy. And Jotham, his son, succeeded him as king. What a sad ending to his life. What's that saying? Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Or, I mean, this guy was at the pinnacle. And he was there because of the love of God and the plans of God and the help of God. God lifted this young king to this wonderful place and pride just poisoned him. And, and you, know, it, it, you know, again, when we look at the trajectory of pride, we see that Uzziah, Uzziah lived his final days isolated from people, all alone, right? He lived in a separate house, isolated from God, right? Remember, in the Old Testament, the understanding was you want to meet with God, you go to the temple. That's, that's you know, the, the holy of holies. That's where God resides. And suddenly, you're not coming in here. He was banned from the temple. He separated, isolated from God. And, and even in his death, he was isolated, buried near, not with all the other kings from years you know, past. Pride isolates us because you know, pride consumes us. Again, it, it fills us up, leaves no room for God, leaves no room for wisdom. And pride says, I've got this. I don't need others. And I certainly don't need others' input. No room for God no room for others. Pride isolates. And here's how I want to end off today. <clears throat> uh, why don't we stand up? <clears throat> you know, I realize uh, this kind of hits, hits uh, sensitive places when you talk about pride and being needy and all these things. And uh, it's like, you know, not to go into a ministry time. So if you're proud, just come on forward. You know, just, just step out now, you know. <laughs> Which might actually would be good for a proud person, come to think of it, if that's what God is doing in your life today. But, you know, I, I was thinking about how this whole thing of neediness, it's not a sign of weakness, it's, it's our condition. And I, I, I sort of had this picture. If I had an app on my phone, I'm sure Apple will come up with one in one day, sometime if I had a, a neediness app the level of neediness and if I turned that on right now in this room it would go whoom, it would just go way over here right the level of neediness in this room is off the charts and that's not a so shame on you that's like hey let's just be honest that's our condition right that's our condition is that we are are a needy people and the reality is What's got us to this place of just incredible neediness is when sin came in and separated us from the vine, right? When all these branches, you know, sin basically pulled them all off the tree and threw them on the ground. And part of the, you know, the struggle in our lives is, is now we have this barrier between us and the vine, sin. Right? There's this barrier. And so as branches, we, and I don't know how to be a branch, but as branches, we walk around looking for a vine, to stick into and draw life from. And that's what leads us into all kinds of crazy things. Right? But here's, here's the truth. Jesus on the cross removed that barrier. So now, this side of heaven, not, oh, won't it be great one day? Now, every human being, every branch on planet Earth can thunk, be reconnected to the vine and take their neediness to the place where it was intended to go. So I, I really believe today there are people here <clears throat> and <clears throat> maybe someone invited you or that you're well aware of your need. You're well aware of all the places you as a branch are running to, but, but it's, it, it was something new today. Maybe it's for the first time. The light just went on. Wait a minute. So God's not looking at me going, look what you've done. Look at the mess you've made. That that's not how God is looking at me. God actually is looking at me right now in my neediness and going, let me stoop down to you. Let me help you. Let me help you reconnect to me. I believe there are people here, maybe it's for the first time, but that, that if you just feel sort of a tug in your heart and just, like I said, the light went on, we want to pray for you and we'll call you forward in just a second and other people will come forward too. You won't be the only one. But we want to pray for you because that's God is literally reaching out and pulling you in saying, you were made to be with me, to draw life from me. So that's one group. And then <clears throat> I've been using the word resistance. And, and this is sort of a big boy, big girl pants ministry time. And what I mean is, it, it is a bit humbling in some of these. But I, 
I just want to call out three groups, I think it is. The first one is this. If you felt a resistance when I talked about us needing each other, if you felt a resistance, and maybe it's from old hurts, because there's, I mean, the deep hurts are family hurts, right? The deep wounds are church family wounds. And maybe you're here today and you're like, oh, that's not going to happen. Need each other? Not going to happen. And I believe if you felt a resistance when I talked about that, that God wants to heal that woundedness in you. And I know that would be real hard. But as folks come up, I want to invite you and have someone just pray for you because God wants to come close to you. That's the first one. The second one is, you know, when I talked about expressing our neediness, worship, you know, our giving of thanks to God. If you just struggle with worship, right? If there's a resistance, if you're like, right, why don't we just skip it? There's just, it, it's just a disconnect in you. Like, I just don't get it. I mean, it's, it's way beyond you don't like the songs or it's way beyond, you know what I mean? You, it's just, you just don't get it. I, I believe, and if there was resistance to that, I believe God wants to reveal something of himself to you. And just, and I'm not sure how to say it, but just reveal something of, the, of, of his help in your life to show you and to sort of teach you how to worship, to teach you how to give thanks to him. And then, uh, when I talked about resistance, or, or if there was a resistance when I talk about correction, somebody getting in your life, I believe there are people here today that you're stuck. You're stuck in your journey with God because you're, you're wanting God to do this, but God keeps bringing people to you saying, stop it. Saying, you're on the wrong path, brother. You're on the wrong path, sister. And when I talked about that, if there was resistance, we want to pray for you. And then finally, uh, uh, you know, because we talked about leprosy, right? Skin disease. You know leprosy? It's also called Hansen's disease. Awesome. <laughs> That's great. I'm going to get a bumper sticker. Did you know? <laughs> look it up. Yeah. Let's look this guy up sometime and say, what were you thinking? But, but we want to pray for anyone with any skin diseases, any skin issues, because God wants to come close. He wants to heal. So... Um, Come on up if any of those uh, uh, connect with you. And then I want to say one last thing. Sarah's going to lead us in a song. It's an old vineyard song. It's one of my favorite songs. It's called Thank You, Lord. If you don't come forward for prayer, if you don't come forward to pray for someone, I want, to take, want you to take this opportunity to give thanks to God, to just think about and get in touch with all the ways God has blessed you in your life. So just if you're not getting prayer or praying, join in and sing. So come on up as, as we have this final song and then uh, uh, folks come up and pray for you and then we'll end the service. And let's make sure everyone who comes up has someone praying for them. Guys for guys, gals for gals. You are deserving of all I can give 
because it is the right posture it is the right response to you just you are uh, such a generous loving pursuing father I pray that the words you know thank you would just be increasingly rolling off our tongues in little things and in big things Lord I pray that I pray for those that maybe they got uh, who you put your finger on things today maybe deep things maybe hurtful things or uh, things that are hard to look at I pray over this next week and uh, that you just continue moving in close deep in our hearts I pray that you would deliver people heal people of wounds and fears Lord keep us close to you this week Thank you for today. We thank you for uh, your presence with us, that you are not a million miles away on some throne, but you're right here with us. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we'll bless you. Uh, Sign-ups in the lobby. Make sure you check them out. If you're visiting, make sure to come see us at the Visitor's Welcome. But uh, bless you, and we will see you next week. Don't forget, Tuesday night, our night of worship. If you can make it, you'll enjoy it. Come on out. Bless you.